Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. My guest this week is Jake Height from the Gundy Brothers and Alien Jake. Jake is a hip-hop artist. We get into the talks about James Brown. We talk about our mutual admiration for Robin Williams. We talk about lateness. We talk about messy workspaces. We talk about committing to brushing your teeth. We talk about all kinds of things, hip-hop, the history of the Gundy Brothers, music videos. We talk about punk rock. And we get to hear Jake's story about the time he was extorted at gunpoint up a Moroccan mountain by the Mafia. All that and more in this week's pod. Here it is. Though his um oh no I, I, yeah he was but he was on that um show with uh, Justin Lee Collins wasn't he was he they did uh, yeah yeah the Friday Night Project another gem of British TV mm. until um, Justin Lee Collins unfortunate uh, escapades what happened to him he uh, there was a recording that came out was leaked. <laughs> There's of, always a recording, of isn't him there? Sort of berating his wife, I believe. Oh wow! Yeah, he was a bit abusive. Well, I say a bit. Of, I don't want to. I don't want to downplay it. But no, he was, he was a, there was abuse involved. Essentially, he was abusive, and he was a central party. Uh, well, he was the. Yeah. He was the. <laughs> he was the party. <laughs> oh dear. Which was. We uh, should be careful, mate. We shouldn't be referring to abuse as a party. You know, it's it's really not. It's not. It's a not a party. It's not a party. No. And um, he was, and what was really interesting about his story was that he was kind of like the last guy you'd think was was would do that. He seemed a bit of a gentle giant. He said, Hello, didn't he? mate. Yeah, well, I can't yeah. do a Bristolian accent very all right, well. But, all right, I'm just in. Oh, just leave one Let's get the eighteen back together. <laughs> and then got me beard, got uh, me long hair. I'm armless. Or, yeah, and just like seemed like a bit of fun. Yeah, the guy you'd have down the pub with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But behind closed doors, he was an asshole. Yeah. Men, I mean, it does. It seems that there are a few of those, you know. Uh, uh, unfortunately, what goes on behind closed doors is uh, we are not privy to. Not always. Not always. Um, yeah, we were talk I was talking about this earlier with someone, and he said he was really into. Uh, oh God, I can't remember who he said Rolf it was. Rolf Harris. Peter. Yeah, and then he said he it was one of his yeah. one a musician he really liked, who he saw a documentary on him not that long ago. James Brown. No, I brought James Brown up. I can't remember who it was now. James, James Brown's a weird one though because, as much as he wasn't like you know a t bit of a twisted and kind of highly egocentric guy. Yeah. He did, and, I, and I'm not making excuses. Yeah. He did have an incredibly messed up childhood, you know. I didn't. I don't know much about his childhood. You don't know much about his childhood. I'm sure it he was. Grew, he grew up in a brothel. Oh. Um. His he lived basically in a shack with his mum and dad. Oh. And uh, I think I. Yeah. I think yeah. I, this is ringing a bell. Yeah. Have you have you seen Get On Up? His biopic. I haven't seen the biopic. I watched a documentary on Netflix with yeah. him in it, and it, they essentially went into him sort of his sort of uh, his uh, physical abuse towards his girlfriends and yeah, stuff yeah yeah there's a scene where someone says that he came and sat next to them at a hotel swimming pool Ugh. and said i just hit 
whoever it was. Mm. And he was like, you should never do that. So that was a strange part of his character. He knew it was yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he kept doing these yeah, things. Yeah, he kept repeating it. And, well, and his advice to the younger men that looked up to him was like, this is, this is my fucking bullshit. Mm. Don't do this. Interesting, man. Yeah, weird. But I mean, yeah, he, he grew up, his mum went left him and his dad to basically be a prostitute. And then he ended up working in that brothel that where his mum was a prostitute. And used to like, they used to use him and other young kids as like, uh, they'd make them do like boxing matches and stuff and like basically use them for entertainment to like beat each other up. It was, oh, it was, wow. it was dark. Watch the film, watch dark. the biopic, man. It's pretty heavy. Richard but... Pryor, uh, the comedian had a very similar upbringing, I believe. His, he was mm. in, lived in a brothel. Mm. Yeah. It's that, will, that will make you, uh, something, won't it? That will make you a character. Yeah. Wow. Jake, hi. How do you want to do this, mate? How's it going? It's all right, bro. A little preamble out the way there. Yeah. Went down some dark holes immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, mate? Who knows where we could head? It's all up from here, mate. It's yeah. All, it's all on the way up from here. I like that. How was your train on time? My train was on time. Yeah. Uh, which is which is a one-off. You know, usually I'm I'm bound to the time principles of the trains, which is erratic, yeah. to say the least. It's relevant, isn't it? So it yeah. Some sort of timeline of theirs. <laughs> I mean, it, it obviously works for them because it, it's still packed every day. But yeah. you know, um, I've I've been trying to to shred the shred Shre shred my reputation as someone being late. Get in a massive shredder. No, I've been trying to shed it. Uh, for a long time, mate, and the me train's too. really not doing me any favors. Doesn't help you on that quest. Have you have you got a car? How do you get around? I walk. Yeah, I walk. Yeah, I get around. I walk very fast because I'm around. always late. Yeah, yeah. Same <laughs> as me. Same as me, mate. Same as me. I blame I blame my ADHD on that. Okay. Because there's a thing that with ADHD, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's essentially where you 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 judge time slightly warped. Yeah. So I'm always about five or ten minutes late and yeah i've been trying to mitigate that but it's difficult because it's literally how your your mind uh processes yeah. or, or envisions uh the it's and it's quite an abstract thing isn't it to because time is a man-made concept yeah it's a measurement isn't it yeah and and for the for a human brain to then sort of uh work out how far yeah. it's going to take you to, to get from it. a to b map your yeah. uh yeah it's this kind of when you think about it there's some advanced stuff going on there <laughs> if i if i propel myself at uh 13 miles per hour for the duration of this walk it's like, I'll be, it's like the GCSE. i'll be able to make it in 13.4 minutes and <laughs> yeah. yeah if andy and jake start walking from Froome to bath <laughs> yeah. at 2 p.m after having well, three pints of beer <laughs> <laughs> and one packet of mixed nuts, yeah. you know, oh, God. with one stop of approximately half an hour, mm. walking, you know, it's, it's a GCSE maths question. Yeah, by what time will they finish their gig? <laughs> <laughs> uh, will they make sound check? Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah no, it, you're right. It is a weird one. And, um, my my girlfriend actually always says to me that she thinks one of the reasons I'm I have that tendency is because 
and I'm sure you're similar in the sense that I immerse myself in whatever I do. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in the shower, I'm fully immersed in that experience. You know, if I'm cleaning my teeth, I'm I'm almost meditatively finding each, you know, canine with my bristles. It's yeah. like... Um, you commit. I commit. And then suddenly I snap out and I'm like, okay, how... How long did that yeah. take? Uh-huh. Felt like about two minutes, but it was actually 10. Yes. You know? Exactly. That is exactly it. Yeah. And, and it comes with being a musician as well. There are so many musicians mm. late to everything. Notoriously. And I think it, it has something to do with the, the way um, our brains are mm. function. The chemical, the pH balance of our damn minds. I, th- I think you could be right. Unfortunately... Bosses aren't, uh, you <laughs> They're know, not that way inclined, are they? No, They're different beasts. They, they don't quite understand that. I think if I went to a boss and said, look, I'm sorry, mate, I was cleaning my teeth. I got fully immersed in the experience. <laughs> they'd tell me to bugger off, wouldn't they? they yeah. They, they'd tell me to piss off. And so. they'd go, yeah, I cleaned my teeth this morning. Yeah. And I didn't get immersed in the... <laughs> I got a stopwatch by my toothbrush. I bash it as soon as I start. 30 seconds, that's all you need. Bang, off, drink the coffee, 20 seconds, bang, done, bang. in work. Bish, bash, bosh, mate. <laughs> yeah. uh, we should make a song about that. Bish, bash. There could be, there could be one part of the song yeah. which is like a sequenced, very on beat, very, I mm-hmm. do work this way, this is how long everything takes, almost yeah. a bit robotic. And uh-huh. then you could cut to a kind of dreamy... I brush my teeth ah. and feel all the bristles. When I speak, sometimes I hear a whistle. You know, just like... <laughs> and then the whistle comes in, like a factory whistle. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the things that I... Yeah. <laughs> that would be jokes, man. The beat needs to be hard for that. Yeah. Four on the floor. Four on the floor. Yeah. Well, I guess big. what it is, is we march to the the, uh, the beat of a different drum. Yeah, Jake. we do, we do. That's what we do. We do. Uh, and it's also, I think, something to do with the artistic mind as well in, in that, like, do you have you, do you have messy workspaces? I, I, I have... They're not tidy. Right. I try and create some sort of system and I try and keep it not to the point where, I mean, my brother, his... And I used to be like it as well. It was just an absolute bombsite. Yeah. I try not to do that because then that can kind of have the opposite effect. and It can make things more chaotic. Yeah, to the point where there's not actually anything getting done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I like to have, but it's, you know, by no means I've got my, you know, pencils lined up and my sharpener and it's exactly <laughs> right. right spot. You know, it's, it it's, it's not tidy. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that picture of Einstein's desk the day, no. the day of his death, the no. day after he died? They preserved it. And it is just the biggest mess I've ever seen. Wow. Well, that maybe not the biggest mess I've ever seen, but it's just, it's stacked with papers. Mm. Just everywhere. It's such a mess. And the theory there is that his brain was is operating on such a high level mm. and he's thinking in so many uh, abstract or um, pioneering ways, yeah. let's say, yeah. that actually the order of his desk and the clean, the cleanliness and, and, and uh, there it is. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah madness he knows where it all is even the whiteboard like you know but his brain is prioritizing what's important sure and tidiness is not important because his brain is no time for it right he's figuring out relativity Mm. 
uh, is it, was he black holes? It's his. It was his thing that led Stephen Hawking to theorize yeah, he black was the, holes. Right? He was the gap, right? Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his brain is going. Uh, why are we spending time on this this task that brings no stimulation, no inspiration to me? When when he has the, the universe to try and figure out. Yeah. Uh, so that's. I think that's part of it as well. Is why why are we going to do this when we've got all these daydreams to be flying mm. off to and uh, you know it's committing true. ourselves it's to true. clean our teeth you saying we're geniuses Andy. is uh, yeah, that what you're getting at absolutely what, what I'm saying is that I, I feel like I do the same I let it build up and yeah. I'm cool with it I'm cool with it until it's at a point where I go this is now hampering sure and this then I have a reset yeah yeah and yeah. then it goes again I don't mind it until one day it goes no we've got to do something about this yeah no I I think I'm I'm something fairly similar. Yeah. Um, it, it really depends on the task, though, doesn't it? Because if it's if it's purely creative, if I'm if I'm writing a song or if I'm, it really doesn't matter where I am. Where I am, you know. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing something slightly more academic, like an essay, then suddenly I think my brain goes, "Okay, we need some sort of system here to be able to, you know." efficiently work through this yeah I'm, my brain doesn't necessarily i mean we were doing a <laughs> template email earlier when we were waiting for you and harry gave me his uh his mac and i was doing doing the template email yeah. to send off to dear such and such we have got this podcast by the way and i i, I mean I, I just i knew i could feel it mm. i get a line done and i was going <laughs> just sitting there drum break <laughs> you know i had like system of a down uh <laughs> drums in my head yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. and, and, and then I'd be like right another line <laughs> it's wouldn't, crazy wouldn't it be wonderful if that was the way it worked right. one line followed by then you get to reward yourself one, yeah with a, with a drum beat <laughs> or a singular lyric yeah. or what you know whatever it is that helps you exude your passion yeah um, the crazy. world would probably maybe be a better place you know maybe we should implement this at least every like 20 minutes yeah. You know, every 20 minutes, Have a little you get out. two minutes for uh, whatever you want to do. You've got your drum kit over there or you've got a mic stand over there. Go on. Yeah. You know, bosh one out. Yeah. When I used to have a drum kit in my house, it was great. And it sort of gave me a good idea of my um, sort of my brain patterns mm. with, with the ADHD. Mm. Is that I wouldn't play studiously for three hours mm. in practice. It would be five or six sessions of really intense 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over the place. And that was, and that, and you can kind of map your brain chemistry there, I, mm. I think, in that, because I was like, right, yeah, it's time to go. You know, and then it's an then, interesting one. And then you sort of, you, you bust that out and then, and then you go and do something else. It's almost your form of meditation, isn't it? Almost. Yeah, it's, I guess al so. it's almost your, your, your 20 minutes where you're, you... Maybe it wasn't even twenty minutes. Sometimes maybe it was just five. Sometimes yeah, just get behind there, thrash out for a bit. It's like it's just a change in 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 brain function, though, yeah. isn't it? To to freshen things up, to keep it kind of. Mm. It's interesting. I wonder if that way of playing, kind of, because when I find the same thing when I when I put to the side, like, okay, I'm going to write lyrics for these two hours, or I'm going to practice this you know for two hours it it feels more like work mm. it feels more like okay i'm here i've got to churn this out like whereas when it's like i'm on the bus and i'm just 20 to. minutes just like doing something 
I feel like it's a bit more, it, it's organic. a bit more freeing. Yeah, a bit more organic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where did that begin? Let's let's start your journey because where you are right now, you're in the Gundy Brothers. Yeah. You guys are doing good. Yeah, man. You're doing good. Yeah. I, I've I th- watched the trajectory. I think we just, one. we just, we just love what we do, mate. And, and it's really, it's really quite clear that you love what you do. There's no going through the motions with you guys. No, it's all it's all PMA, isn't it? PMA, positive mental attitude. Yeah, it's all about that PMA. <laughs> I've not heard that before. Really? I might start. I might start u- using that. My my first thought when you said PMA was PMS. <laughs> and I was like, God, is it PMS? Is this all just one big PMS session between me and Jay? But um, but yeah, no. Honestly, when uh, when when we first met, um, we we literally. So I'll give you a br- I'll, most most people have heard this, but I'll give you a brief outline of where we met. I was going to meet my ex girlfriend mm. who was playing a gig, and it was a bit of like she she was like, "Come to this festival," and our relationship was kind of waning a bit. And I was right. like, "Do I go? Do I want to save this relationship? I'm not really sure." Okay, I'll go. Right. And. Uh, she introduced me to Jay and I just hung out with him the whole festival. And Jay goes by the name of Indian Man, is that right? That's correct. Right. Yes, Indian so Man, know. a.k.a. Mr. Jay Singh, a.k.a. Jacket Man. Uh, <laughs> and embarrassing ones. He loves jackets. Well, that well, Jacket Man's a pretty embarrassing one. Right. That was his, basically his chat-up line for the whole of the last three years. He'll go up to any girl and just go, I love your jacket. Bam, that's him. Any, <laughs> anyone, anyone. If he, say, if he says that to you, Andy, he's you know what me. he's up to. He wants right. you. I know. Um, but so we, yeah, and he said, I'm playing a set. I'm playing, I'm mixing Bhangra and hip hop. Do you want to jump what? on it? And I was like, yeah, why not? Yeah. And that was it. It was like, uh, it felt like, you know, Tenacious D when they had the best song in the world. (laughs) It felt like that. In reality, there was about six people off their face dancing there. But it felt like we were creating some mad musical fusion. Yeah. And that was it. We just started making music and we do it because we love it. There's not really anything more than that. We're both pretty, we like, you know, we like to experiment with genres. We're both pretty open with trying new stuff, but also trying to find a sound at the same time, you know, yeah. but like... It's a hard road to walk. Yeah. It's tough, isn't it? it yeah, it is. Because there there's nothing new under the sun. It's an yeah. old saying that I like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's... So you got to find the, the, you know, the least old thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nothing there's nothing like you could probably fan, find a band that has tried any combination of genres yeah i guess but i, st- I there's still you know i mean i still hear i obviously haven't heard a one percent of everything but i still hear things that make me go oh that's fresh you know and sometimes you can't even put your finger on it uh-huh. it might sound similar to another band but there's something about it. It's got a voodoo. It's got a bit of voodoo in. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because the amount of uh, promoters and uh, managers and whatever have been like, oh, we love you guys, but we don't know where to put you. Ah, that little phrase. Get out know, of here with we that. We don't know where to put you. And it's like, <sighs> we'll just put us on the bill. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
put us on the bill. That's where you should put yeah, us. We will show you we'll where sh- we need to be. Exactly. And 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 I get that to a degree. They need to market it. If they're putting on a hip hop night, they wanna they want us to do hip hop if they're putting you know, I I get that to a degree, but at the end of the day, it's just music, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And um what do you class yourselves as? Because I see you guys as a hip hop duo, a producer. Rap, yeah, hip hop duo. We are, we are hip hop, and you've just we're hip, got we're hip hop meets world music. Yeah, I guess that's what we call ourselves. And you've just got flavors of of other things, exactly. Right? But, but fundamentally, but because some of our songs aren't ninety BPM or hundred BPM, right. we might make a couple of grime tracks, a couple of drum and bass tracks, whatever. Yeah, suddenly it's like, oh, well, they're not hip hop anymore. They're making drum and bass, or they're not. You know, they're yeah. not they're grime or whatever. So, but then the, you know, you listen to Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, and that people still will call them a metal band or a hard rock band or industrial or something, but mm-hmm. essentially, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if you've experienced much of that. I feel like you've you've got a bit more of a, a honed sound. Yeah, I think our sound um, of sick ones. I feel like it's fairly original. We definitely grabbed from other places. Yeah. I think it, 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 now it's original in the context of the scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, there's definitely sort of hallmarks of loads of stuff in it, like I said. But I feel the last few years, and definitely when we started out, we were doing stuff that, yeah, it's kind of been done before. I think we kind of put a flavor on it um, that was our own. Um but it was, you know, just it was just an approach to that music that hadn't been done for a while. And sometimes that's valid as well. Yeah. Is you just go, well, okay, well, no one's doing this. They've done this style 20 years ago, and now now it's kind of almost lost its way. Mm. And sometimes you've got to go back to the roots a little bit, haven't you? No, um, I think I, I totally agree. Um, I've, I've been feeling, as we've kind of spoken about off-air, very influenced by a lot of 90s, metal recently and and kind of uh or, or you know even 80s 70s punk has been has felt quite relative for me at the yeah. moment it was the times we're living in they yeah, must be manifest it is isn't it isn't there's obviously an an anger like because we're seeing we're seeing a lot of suffering in the world we're seeing a lot of um useless politics yeah. we're seeing a lot of dangerous politics yeah we're seeing division and the uh, and and even like an, on an ecological scale, mm. it's all like it's all kicking off this year. And I think somewhere in you, you're you're taking all these all this stimulus in from the world, yeah, and it's coming out and you via your subconscious or something in a in a. It's still a, a productive thing, yeah. It's still a positive thing, but it's more of a an aggressive outlet. Probably. Yeah, it's a it's a release, isn't it? Yeah. It's a release of all these like emotions, feelings, thinkings. Um I think that's what I love about that sort of music, is it it's like It's emotional, isn't it? It is emotional. Yeah. It's emotional, but it's an emotional reaction to things that are rationally wrong. Do you mm. know what I mean? So yeah. it's not just like an outburst of emotion, it's like if we rationally talk about this, it's it's harnessed energy. Yeah, it's not. Oh, uh, um, it's not some sort of strange blowout. Yeah, and it's not some sort of like kinetic explosion where it sort of fires off and doesn't hit any marks. Which or meet it can anything. also make great music. Yes, but but, but it's it, but the really great stuff is when they've managed to harness it mm, and direct it like mm, a laser beam. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's you the, just can't that's a superpower. Yeah, it is. 
it is a superpower. Have you have you ever had any people? Have you ever had any problems for being political, or, or people saying, "Oh, you're a bit too political," or? Uh, in what realm? The musical realm or my actual political realm? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more musical, but, musical but either. Um... Uh, no, we've never really been massively political, actually. Um, I feel like your new stuff's a bit more political. It's it's more like socio-political, or, yeah. it, or, or it's about the politics of self. Mm. I think that, I mean, it sounds a bit... I say pretentious a lot on this podcast, I've noticed, but Shaftwick, you know, I'm just going to have to embrace it, the fact yep. that sometimes I throw some things out there that some people are going to think are pretentious. It's true. Uh, it's more about the politics of self. Yeah. A lot of it. It's about, and, and hoping that in those sort of mantras or those messages, um, other people find strength in that. Mm. But we do want to do something that's a bit more uh, political. And I think this is where our conversations with you have come in mm. where we're thinking, hey, let's scratch a new itch and let's yeah. do something. Let's try and get something with, with Jake. If you want to be political, be political. Yeah, I, I, I just think that life is too short. You've got to, you've got to say what what's in there, don't you? You've got, you've got to express these things. Otherwise, you know, no, no one else is going to. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 So where does the where does your journey begin in hip hop? Where is because I know we have a mutual friend that you you give a lot of credit to, who started uh, yes. who gave you that sort of early uh, boot camp. Let's say. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when was the, When was the the moment you were like this? This is my music. This hip hip hop is. When is um, it? Uh, yeah, I would I would say when I was about about ten, ten eleven years old. Yeah. And I'd been listening to a lot of, I mean, I, so my, my mum was kind of my, my black music, uh, influences, you know, so old school soul funk. Uh, I remember listening to acid jazz tapes in her car and like <laughs> the Fugees and stuff. And we were driving to school and then my dad was punk. Yeah. Uh, the Stranglers. Uh, you know, Sex Pistols, Killing Joke, more rocky kind of gritty first side wave of the UK. Punk, a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, all all punk really. Yeah. Uh, I think I think <clears throat> his favourite band was the Stranglers. Yeah, but um, anything that was remotely punk, uh, he he would attach himself to the Damned. I guess kind of first wave. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so I kind of had these two influences and I think I, I started listening to um, Eminem mainly, he, you know, he was, he was the big one really. He was big on the, I heard him on the radio and was like, who is this guy? And he almost felt to me like somewhere between the two, yeah. you know, his attitude was, was fairly punky, but his, Absolutely. his music was obviously hip hop and, and Dr. Dre and, and was therefore influenced by all these funky breaks. And so I think I probably, my subconscious kind of latched onto that. Yeah. I then did a, um, I used to write a lot anyway. Um, I used to write poems and stories from the ages of like four and then four or five. Rewind. When four? I could, no, a bit, a bit older than that, right. maybe. As as far back as I can remember. So have you always, as soon as I could write. Right. So have you always been a fairly emotionally receptive being? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A HSP. 
What's that? Highly sensitive person. <laughs> PMA. <laughs> I'm just, let's see how many we can get, HSP. mate. <laughs> H- I'm an HSP. Uh. <laughs> Don't say that. I'm an HSP. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've always been pretty sensitive and and, and receptive. So is that, is that do you think that's just in, innately in your nature, or is this is this been a nurture influence in your? It sounds like your mum's like wide open with a music, and your dad, of course. But yeah, like wide open with a music taste. Yeah, I, 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 I guess it's definitely. Yeah, it's a project to to get behind that. Yeah, I I guess it's just like, you know, I, yeah, I I pr- probably both. I mean, my family are creatives pretty much throughout. You know, they they're like teachers. Um, my granddad worked in publishing. Um, yeah, they're 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 all fairly creative in in some way or another. Um, and so I, I think as a as a kid, I was also kind of just left to, to do what I want a little bit, yeah. you know, and 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 play. And um, my parents are fairly open. Yeah. So I think in that sense, I was, I was given the space. But yeah, I also just, from whatever age I can remember, I was just fascinated by things, you know. Um, I was in my head a hell of a lot, just experiencing and making things up and basically playing. Um, until a fairly like older age, you know, um, I've always just had ideas and been creative and quite happy to live in sort of fantastical realms, realms within my mind. So, yeah. so were you like a social kid? Or were you? We. I don't want to say that. I don't want to use the word loner because that has so many negative yeah. connotations. Because it doesn't seem like you were a loner. Well, this is the weird thing. I wasn't. Was, I wasn't you were until happy about with yourself. Right. Yeah. I, I, I was. I was a w- bit of a weirdo. Right. But I think I kind of. Oh, we're all weirdos. We're all weirdos. I kind of accepted that and allowed that within my friendships, you know. Yeah. I kind of put it on show and was like, look, this is me. This is my weirdness. If you yeah. like it, let's roll. If you don't, like, you know. This is my freak flag. This is my... <laughs> Here it's flying. Flag. My double F. <laughs> <laughs> look, my FF is out. <laughs> and if you guys don't like it, yeah, you know. What are you going to uh, do about it? Don't be so, uh, was it HSP? HSP? Let me say HSP, my FF is out. <laughs> I'm all about that PMA, baby. <laughs> oh, dear. God, it's a vernacular. Yeah, it? a course in vernacular. Yeah. Uh, vernacular, what's it called? Uh, acrobatics, vernacular <laughs> acrobatics. Yes, a deep ling- linguistic dive. Deep linguistic dive. Um, great. So, yeah. so, yeah, so you were just kind of cool with yourself. I tell you who else mm. was cool with himself, Robin Williams. Apparently, yeah. When he was a kid, he spent a lot of time on his own with his imagination as mm. his as his like sort of backdrop to whatever he was doing. You can see it in his eyes. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? You can you can you can see the way as an actor, he he is just lost in his mind. You know, I can see that. Right. Hope I don't end up like him though. No, let's hope uh, not. He, he got a bit sad, didn't he? But yeah. what a what an actor, what a legend. He's he's got that very rare, a bit like Richard Attenborough. He's got this very rare um, thing where you certain people of a certain generation, so our age, let's mm. say, see a picture of Robin Williams, and we just go, "Oh, it's my mate." Joey, yeah, yeah. You, you feel you look, like you know him, don't you? You look at him and you go, 
That's my guy, Robin Williams. Mm. It's a very, it's a very unique kind of celebrity he had. Where I think it's because of his, it must be because his films mm. and his successful family films. But yeah, yeah. you see him, and you, and he had that childlike quality and wonder, mm. and he always managed to portray this this sort of naivety and fun within his films that I just feel like people's inner child still kind of connects Speaks with him. Speaks to them, doesn't it? And to this day, I see pictures of Robin Williams and I think, oh, even my dude. Even in the sometimes the darkest situations as yeah. well, like Good Morning Vietnam, right? I mean, you don't get much darker than that place. Mm. And his kind of, uh, or his character's determination to get in there every day and make people laugh. You know, it was almost like a comedy. And I've found this actually in the last the last few weeks, I've been watching a lot of comedy just because it really, it really makes life worth living sometimes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? When yeah. you when you can when you can laugh at something and even sometimes the darkest things, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I've I heard a I've heard a couple of really dark jokes recently and I and I just like, do you know what? It's it's humor and it's it's beautiful because if you can't laugh at it, what can you do? Yeah. You know? Um Did you ever see his film uh One Hour Photo? Yeah, that was oh. dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was creepy. I feel like people don't know that film mm. not many uh, and I, I just it's a tragedy because it's just because he was one of those guys that could do okay he could do Flubber yeah Mrs. Doubtfire Hook you know he could he could roll with the with the best of them and um, he uh, I'll just get you that there you go and uh, so he could roll he could roll with the best of them in that regard but then his his dramatic roles were like him in uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Unbelievable. But one hour photo is amazing. It's essentially this this kind of loner guy that works in a photo booth, almost like what we'd have here in the UK, like boots, where you mm -hmm. go and like take your film roll and stuff. Process it all. Process it. And he just becomes and he doesn't have family. He doesn't have this this life that he sees unfolding. And there's a family that always use him and he's almost a bit like a family friend uh, but i think he imagines himself being In way more important yeah and he makes copies of all their yeah. photos and he's he becomes, got it all yeah in his oh, house yeah if you're it's listening creepy. and you haven't seen that film yeah it's creepy to it. it's it's madness but yeah how do we get on to robin williams i don't know so Brilliant then you find hip-hop you find Eminem. So, so I found Eminem, found hip-hop. <laughs> back in, interlude, back in, return. Back in. <laughs> yeah. uh, found hip-hop, yeah, found Eminem, entered a, a fair trade rap competition, which was my first meeting with Will as well. And um, between him and my dad, shout, shout out my dad, they made this beat for me, which I rapped on about fair trade um, in an American accent. Which was which was hilarious listening back to that now, and uh, and that was it, mate. I, I won the competition and just kept writing. Took a few years out when I was like fifteen, sixteen, and thought for a bit it was like, oh well, it's not cool, and like I'm white, so I can't rap, and you know all these like teenage musings that your your brain goes through. And then um, I got back into it when. Uh, you know, you know, Tom, Tom Sturgis, Mr. Vane, graffiti writer. 
big, tall ginger guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he had a shed that we used to hang out with and, uh, you know, chill, get a bit high. Mm. And he was just like drawing graph all the time and playing hip hop. And I, and I kind of, he used to play UK hip hop, which right. I really hadn't heard a lot of. And that got me into that. And I was like, okay, right. There are actually people in the UK doing this. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah. And it's not coming across as sort of corny. No. Or some sort of like poser wannabe. No. It spoke to me because yeah. they were in, you know, situations that, similar situations or similar experiences that I'd had where, um, you know, whatever, you're working, grinding, trying to get by, trying to do the best you can, having a bit of fun in between, you know. Um, I'd always, you know, I was still into hip-hop, obviously. I was still listening to it, but I think I drifted from the American thing a bit because it's like, well, you know, I'm not a gangster with guns, guns and hoes, you know. Yeah. But the UK stuff spoke to me a bit more and I started writing again. And we kind of formed this thing, TAF, with a couple of other mates who were graffiti writers and rappers, shouts Finn McVeigh. And then that was it. Just been doing so it you were, since. You were, uh, you, were, you were forming an art collective. Yeah. That's yeah. quite that's quite forward thinking, isn't it, really, for that? How old were you at this time? Like 15, 16 or 17, 18? A bit older, yeah. Bit older. A, a, 18, 19, I think, right. around, around those times. Were you aware of like... Uh, I'm going to use the word crew. Were you aware of crews at that point? Yeah, totally. I right. mean, you know, we wanted to be the next Wu Tang. You know, it was <laughs> like it was. It was very much. I mean, it just started literally hanging out in my mate's shed. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think I think the word crew is a is a bit of a glorification. You know, we yeah. didn't do much for quite some time, <laughs> um, and then. Uh, and and then we we started running some workshops because I think I think it was Tom's idea and he was like, how can we actually do something? You know, we're all dosing about doing our art, which is great, but you know, we need something to pull us together. So yeah. we started doing workshops for kids, which is the the TAF Four Elements workshops. And um, you know, me me and Tom anyway, we're still doing them now every now and again, and we run them at Shindig Festival for for like for four, three, four years running. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's a, it was a special thing. It's a special thing, man. Using, using hip hop to, to speak to young people and, um, creativity to speak to young people, you know? Because hip hop gets a bad, or used to get a really bad rap. Yeah. Pardon the pun. It used to just like the, and I think it was, it was that sort of, that mainstream chart pushing of the 50 cent, the uh, uh, the gangster rap element of it, yeah. you know, or you can hear it's gunshots and, mm -hmm. and hoes or whatever. That it, and that isn't actually what hip hop's all about. No, it's, it's ironic because hip hop started in the Bronx as a way of basically people avoiding those sorts of things. It was like, they, you know, the conditions in the Bronx when it started were horrendous. There were, you know, fathers coming back or not coming back from Vietnam. There was a massive railway being built through the whole of the Bronx. There were fires going on. It was, it was like a war zone. Mm. And, uh, you know, a load of people just thought, well, we need something to smile about. And there was kind of this combination of the the Jamaican influence, lots of Jamaicans coming over with their, their sound system culture. Um, graffiti came into it as well. 
And they used to create these massive, you know, I'm sure you've heard these massive parties, which the block parties, which were um, a DJ, an MC, graffiti, and break dancers. And so the idea behind it was it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, you come and you express yourself and you have a good time, yeah. you know? And whether you're linguistically inclined, musically inclined, uh, kinesthetically inclined, or visually inclined, there's something for anyone because yeah. the chance is a, a, anyone is one is inclined into one of those things. You know, e either you're you like music, you like dancing, you like speaking, or you like drawing. You know, mm. pretty much anyone. So that's yeah. the idea. Um, and yeah, it was to get people. You know, I mean, Africa Bambata created one of the first uh, ceasefires between gangs. You know, it was, it was, it really was meant to be a peaceful movement. And Force then of course, good. Hollywood got hold of it, realized they could make a load of money from it and started pushing the gangster rap agenda. And here we are. And here we are today <laughs> talking about it. Yeah. Damn. What I used to really love about, um, what I say what I used to love, what I love about what they used to do was um, they would sort of hijack a streetlight. Yeah. So they take the what they'd hop like. Oh, what's the word? Uh, what what what? When you if you steal a car, hotwire it. Hotwire it. Yeah. So they used to kind of like hotwire their stuff to the the city's grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And run their use their use that energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you, yeah. You'd power their turntables and the sound systems and and whatever off of the uh, the streetlights. Crafters, mate. It's great. It's great, isn't it? It's just it's human spirit. I wonder what would happen if, uh, well, I, I guess it is kind of happening to a degree, but if if we just started start, you know, having block parties in in Froome, I mean, they would immediately get shut down. But once you get a certain amount of people, there's not a lot the police can do, you know, because no. it passes a threshold, doesn't it? Yeah. I guess they're you know they're fining organisers like ten grand and stuff. Yeah. To, but you know, what if no one was what if no one was the organizer? It was just like, oh, I'm just just turned up, you know. <laughs> I'm just here with these five other people. Devil's advocate. These other people happen to be here, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and something was born. Yeah. But yeah, because we've had a few um, illegal raves here in the past. Yeah. Up around the old uh, quarry valley. Yeah, area. yeah. And it's true, yeah. As soon as it, there's a certain amount of people there, the police don't shut it down. No. Instead, they almost they become stewards of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very strange, isn't it? it? it yeah, it is. But a good approach because you don't want riots, do you? And and that's, I guess, kind of what they're risking. Yeah. If they do go in there all guns blazing. Um, I don't know. I've never seen a thousand people in ecstasy riot. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been to Boomtown, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I oh can imagine. Dear. Oh dear. So you win this. You win this fair trade rap yeah. uh, thing. It's was that. The, do you think that was the confidence you needed? Was that like a, a, a very, yeah. very early example of like validation? I guess of, so. Of like what you're doing is actually a good thing. I guess and, so. And, and the energy and the and the life force you've put into this mm. has, is, is worth it. So keep investing the best of you in, in that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I guess I was, the other things I was doing, writing like stories, plays, um, and drama, there's not, you know, because they're very creative, or you can get a pat on the back, but there's not generally 
prizes and stuff for that sort of thing, or there's yeah. not that, yeah, that extrinsic, like, you're good at this, you know? Whereas, like, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but I guess that makes sense. Um, deep dives. Deep dives into the, into with the psyche. Andy and Jake. <laughs> what about you, mate? Why, why, why drums for you? Where did that come from? Oh, mate, it was... It, so what happened is I went to... I started... Uh, at army cadets i had some friends oh, I didn't know and that. they was joining army cadets and uh so my mum was like do you want to join army cadets mm. with daniel and bradley mm. and i was like oh i don't know and she was like well you get to you know shoot guns and go camping and i was like sign me up <laughs> i'm there <laughs> and they had a thing called the silver bugles band mm. and on the first night i was there that they did band we all lined up near the stores, which yeah. is where they kept all the instruments. Most people were getting handed bugles and other people obviously were established there and they had their instrument that they, that, that was what they did. Yeah. And I was just in the queue and someone handed me a snare drum. That was it. That was oh. like, that was literally it. I didn't choose it. Although weirdly, drum kits had always been in my mind's eye. Mm. It's something that, something like within me was attracted to the idea of them. Yeah. And they were always this sort of strange beast in my head. Um, and I think it was because I knew I'd probably never be allowed one as a kid because mm -hmm. they're far too loud. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think my parents are probably a little bit conservative on that regard. Yeah, yeah. On that sort of subject. But um, so they were this sort of thing. They were, they were a bit exotic, I guess. Yeah. And so I got handed this drum and that was it. That was the, sort of the journey. And you sort of learn the grip and a bit of technique and you develop a little bit of rhythm. I'm not going to say I was some sort of natural prodigy. Yeah. You know, I wasn't the best drummer in the in the ranks mm. you know um but i was i was there I held my own i guess and um and then it just sort of like happened i guess when i got to Froome college there was a drum kit mm. and i was i got asked to sort of sing scream in this like metal screamo thing because i was one of the only kids in the year that like metal music or yeah. heavier music yeah so naturally you get invited into the band regardless of your skill level yeah <clears throat> or how good of an artist you might be because you're the only one one of the only ones that like it. it so and i sort of did that and then the guy that was drumming didn't show up and i went oh well, we'll i'll do that we kicked him out of the band and it was so like so teenage it was like oh he's not dedicated he's it's out not here. he's out and then his dad what was that what was that band called? he wasn't there <laughs> I don't know what we called that. It, was, it developed into this thing called Scream 92. Just like a Blink-182. Because we were all born in 92. Yeah, that's cute. Uh, it, yeah, it was. It was a song called Love Doctor. Oh, Love wow. Doctor, he hates me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to hear that, mate. Oh, no. You've no, got to bring out the old tapes. There is a recording somewhere. It's proper lame. Oh, that's it great. Proper lame. And all the drums are like, uh, 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 on the floor. Four on the floor. Uh, 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 that's all they are. Well, at least you were keeping beat, mate. Yeah, I kept time, all you right? You kept time. But, um, so that was that. That was the beginning. But I think then it was sort of that ADHD part of me yeah. enjoyed that very physical, mm. very visceral, kinetic outlet. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of got into it. But I didn't get into it in the ways that I've got into things like collecting CDs or TV shows or pop culture bits where you're really getting like a really nerdy, mm. almost sort of, on the spectrum autistic kind of like type of like deep dive um which i do have about many things because i'm definitely on the spectrum so um but but i don't go this is a maple snare i can hear it right. this is a that i don't get into the gear 
That's it's really strange. And I wish I would, mm. but I don't like some guys, their kits are like their cars. That can also inhibit you though, can't it? Yeah. You know, because the set I've got, I've had times where I've like literally gone over my rhyme schemes. Yeah. And, um, you know, you might, you might have seen it. Some, there's, this, there's this technique where people like color in you know, all the rhymes, basically. And I you can see a video at, about yeah. B.I.G. Exactly, and exactly. They did that. And And actually, there are some rappers that notoriously, like MF Doom is one, yeah. actually try and make physical uh, patterns with the words that are coloured. Right. It's pretty mad. Um, it's like a smiley face when it's on the yeah, page. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, exactly. Depending on what you want, or just some, as long as it's, you know, symmetrical or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's just a flex it's just a it's a bit of a flex point isn't it now you're just you know you're doing you're just showing off you're just wanking off mate you know you're just but um i've i've gone down that road a bit and it's fun but you do it does disconnect you from you know there's only so much you can say exactly it just becomes almost lyrical jargon which is fun and which is cool to watch someone do but i think when you can you know, for me, what's important in a song generally is the feel. Feel it's, the message. It's all the feel and the message. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guess... have to sacrifice a bit of that when you go into the right the deepest realms of of technical adherence. Yeah, it's like a lot of jazz, isn't it? Yeah. You know, these these old school jazz musicians, perfectly capable of writing the sweetest, gentlest, hummable tunes. Yes. But instead, they just go all out. Yeah. And that's okay, because yeah. sometimes you get to a point and you go, well, how far can we push this? Oh, totally. Sometimes yeah. it's, fu- it's great. It's, it's fun. It's, it's, yeah. it's another thing, isn't it? But there it? are no jazz tunes like that which are like really saying anything. No. It's just prowess, isn't yeah. it? And I guess you have to figure out what you want to say. Yeah. It's, <sighs> it's, a fun, it's a funny one. I mean, we've had tunes as well. Our, our kind of big single on our, on our next album it was it 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 started out i mean we started making it about a year ago if mm. not longer actually now and uh we kind of made this demo and it you know it we loved it and we played it to everyone and they loved it and it was like yeah it's this great track and then we showed it to uh georgia cook who's the the flautist in the gundy brothers g cook g sharp how many members of the gundy brothers are there okay i feel like you're ever expanding and i'm trying to i'm trying to trying to keep tabs of it basically yeah that's fair I mean it's a weird one because obviously at the core there's me and Jay yeah Um, and when it comes to mixing down the tunes when it comes to kind of making the final decisions it's me and Jay but we've got an array of other artists that I would say are a massive part of the group Mm. we've got um, Hannah or Kilmer who does a lot of the singing on our tracks She's got a couple of rap verses as well. Um, we've got K, K by who again he does a bit of singing, vocals, um, big influence as well on you know the direction that we're going in, the feel for the for the tracks. We've got Levi, Tyler's younger brother, who yeah. does between him, K and me really, we do all the videos all in house. Um, and you know, he's a, our videos are a massive part of what we do. So he's huge. Then we've got Georgia G sharp and she, 
kind of going back to this, you know, we we give her all of our songs and she kind of tells us if they're musically correct or not. Right. You know, she and a few songs should just be like, no, that's that's not musically correct. So but then she's it's like this, a musical director. In I guess so, yeah. Right. And then she just comes to our gigs without rehearsing with us whatsoever and just plays incredible flute over our tracks. She's like a yeah, she's a bit of a genius. So right. Just an amazing person to have, you know, and and a lovable person as well. And then uh, Margot as well, who's recently been been jumping on a few tracks as well and giving us a bit of a different feel, which is great. So it's this, it's quite a big group and and growing really, you know, which is lovely. It's bloody lovely, darling. It's, it's bloody lovely, you know. Get everyone involved. That's what I say. More the merrier. <laughs> um, but yeah, MTM like, more the merrier. More MTM. <laughs> I wonder how many of these we're going to have, mate. Uh, it's great. MTM. Your videos are a huge part of your your thing, your project. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, your, yeah. And, and the locations that you do your videos in have been stunning. Yeah. Absolutely bloody stunning, oh, darling. Oh, thank, thank you, darling. Thank you. So let, run me through these uh, these videos. How many have you got now? You've maybe, I'm thinking, is there 10? Yeah, I've got, there's got to be about 10. So we we tried to make one for every track on the first album. We didn't ambitious. quite manage to. It was ambitious. We wanted to make a video album, but one one track didn't get made. We were going to shoot it at Boomtown, and then it rained the whole time. Right. And we were like, well, you Scupper. know, yeah, scupper it. We'll just, you know, have a great time and have a knees up instead. But, um, yeah, so there's got to be around 10. Yeah, maybe nine. It's a heft. It's a pretty hefty. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of bands that have one really great video and yeah, nothing else. I think we're just we, you know, particularly me, Kay, and Levi are very much in love with film. I mean, that's my film and music. That's my loves, you know. So, I think when the opportunity came to make some music videos, we just and you know, Jay has fun with it as well. We just yeah, we just love it, man. So tell me about the locations. And how so, are those funded? By us. <laughs> right. You know, say Just saving, working hard. Yeah. Couple of couple of small favours and loans and um for for you know legends in the game. Shout out shout out Danny Rose, my uncle. Um but yeah, I mean mainly mainly by us really, just on a on a cheap. I mean, you know, there's no expenditure on actual film costs because we've got the equipment and we've got the people yeah so it's just getting there you know so like the first one we went to morocco and uh we just found cheap flights why morocco because i'd been there the summer before and been to this place in esawara where um there is this incredible kind of castle or remains of a castle in this like sandy beach basically that was just i stayed with this guy who had a place called an art tell, which basically if you were an artist, you went there and contributed, you would get a cheap stay. And he's some mad, mad guy who wants to create a circus and take it to Palestine and like, you know, create circus for all the kids there. He's mental, but an right. absolute legend. Yeah. So I've been staying with him the previous summer and I just had a thought when Jay made me this song, I was like, that's where we've got to do it. Yeah. What was your contribution to the art tell? Uh, when I stayed there before, we used to go out and busk. Right. So he played like several instruments, and he. So just... you and this hotel manager guy. Yeah. So what is it? Is it like a, a multi-room hotel? Or is it more like an Airbnb? 
it's a converted boat. Right. So it's a it used to be a boat. It's called the Yellow Submarine. <laughs> and uh it's of course it is. It's yeah, I guess more of an Airbnb, but very uh you know, very nonchalant, very kind of uh artsy, you know, it, it's just it's basically just people hanging out in yeah. bunk beds, making food, you know, and um so when and when I say contribute, I mean like if you're an artist, you have to actually like cre- do something in the yellow submarine. Or if you're a musician, you go out with him and busk and give a portion of it of the money to him. You know, I thought so, you meant you'd have to paint a picture, or you would have to. Um, it's not. No, no, no. It, it has to be relevant the, to the place. You right, know. Okay, or if right. you're a chef, you go and actually cook. You know. Okay. And then you and then you pay like a like much less money to stay there and it's cheap anyway because it's morocco you know but um i was there for like two and a half weeks could have stayed for longer how much that cost you i think before busk (laughs) before busk yeah before get into the finances ah god i can't remember man but it considerably cheaper enough to be there for two weeks or more it was i mean i was in morocco for two months right and uh I had a, had a bit of running with the mafia there, so that that took out a bit of my finance. Right. Um, and right, no, we're not glossing over that, Jake. You've let's just this. let's just gloss over that bit. No, no, no. And, and no, so no, no, that no. that probably. So, prob- so what was your running with the mafia, Jake? Oh God, mum. Uh, I well, I I, I was a, I was a young a young white boy in Morocco mm. on my own, vulnerable. Right. Um, and, uh, and I, I landed in Fez and I encountered a couple of, uh, I was looking for a bit of smoke, Andy, you know, not going to beat around the bush. And, um, I encountered, a encountered a couple of lads who were just really nice and just let me hang out with them and, you know, took me to their mum's place to eat food and were just very nice to me. And, you know, in, in retrospect, probably too nice, but they seem like really sound geezers. And then after a week or so, they were like, do you want to come to our uh, our smoke farm up in the mountains in Katama? And you went, yeah, of course I do. I went, yes, please. <laughs> no, I thought about it for about 15 minutes. 15 um, seconds. And then I was so stoned that I just said yes. I was like, fun, you know. Right. How do you say no to that, though? It's a tough so you one. You kind of go, well, that's well. A lot an of people were like, idea. "Why didn't you say no? You're an idiot," you know. And there was obviously that part of my brain that was like, "You shouldn't do this." But then there was another part of my brain that was like, "You've this got is a, about a life few songs experience. in this." Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> there's a story in this. Maybe you know, maybe you'll get on a podcast with Andy and you get to tell <laughs> tell the story. You know. Um, well, here we go. It's paid off. That's yeah. Cool. Well, I, I did. I made I made at least two really good songs out of it. So there that was worth. And you're all still of the, here. You've still got all your fingers. Hassle. Just about. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I tell you what, it's a real thrill getting a gun pointed at you. You know, it's nothing quite like it. Oh. See, <laughs> see, my my brain when when you said that they offered you this experience, my yeah. brain went straight to um, like, well, that'd be interesting to see how that works. Right? You, I, not like, not oh yeah, let's go and get blazed. Danger. It'd just be like, this will be. An education, right? Yeah, and it was, mate. It yeah, totally was, you know. So you get to this um, smoke farm. Yes. And then, so you see, is it a smoke farm? Well, uh, alarm bells started ringing when we went through this police checkpoint. And uh, there was maybe, um, 
yeah, there was a few police there and they, uh, I was kind of like, okay, what's going on? It was like, no, 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 it's fine. And I was like, okay, what, you know. How was their English, these guys you're with? Good. Yeah, good. fine. Yeah, yeah, good English. Um, and they, But they basically told me at that point that it was a mafia checkpoint so that the, there was an agreement between the mafia and the police that right. it was mafia territory police don't go there okay so um so they just pay the police off yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And they turn a blind eye um and um but then once you're in mafia territory you know people carrying ak's there's uh, right so you're at your own at your own risk basically oh, like yeah. a car park you park your car here mate it's its own it, risk yeah it's <laughs> That's but you're the car. Yeah, you, you are the you are the car. <laughs> Enter at your own risk, it's, basically. Yeah, I mean it's it's mayhem up there. It's right. it's scary, you know. And especially when you're pretty much the only white person there, um, you get a lot of looks. And uh, I think there were a fair few arguments in Morocco where they were like, you know, can we use him as a pinata? And they were like, no, we you know he's a he's a paying customer or whatever. Leave him alone. Right. Um, so anyway, had a mad time there watching them, you know, process hash and, um, you know, doing stupid stuff and making these massive meals and uh, living the mafia life. And then at the end of it all, are they based? So they, yeah, they agreed a hundred euros at the beginning. That was the price for the experience. Right. And then at the end of it all, they said, well, you know, we're, we're not sure that quite cuts the mustard. So, um, you know, can you, can you give us another 400, 500 big ones? Uh, to which I kind of said, oh, no. To which they said, well, you're a white person, so, you know, get us the money. And uh, I, yeah, luckily got a couple of people to, to, to bail me out, basically. Um, otherwise... How did those conversations go? And how the hell did you get them? Did you go, excuse me, I just need to make a phone call. <laughs> And they went, no, they... Oh, okay, yes, no worries. Yeah, yeah. we'll leave you to it. Was it? <laughs> yeah, what well, is it? well, pretty much, you know, it was because it, initially it was kind of like, well, you know, um, you're white. We know you can source the money. So they assume so, because you're, uh, yeah, you're because you're white, from the UK British, and white, you you've have got money. 500 quid lying around. Right. Yeah. Which, um, in my case, wasn't the case. I mean, that, that, that was. My my budget for the rest of my trip wasn't even that much, you know. Right. So, um, and I, I managed to haggle with them as well. I kind of played. <laughs> I kind of played the whole. I kind of played the whole. You know, you you're you're really disrespecting me here. I thought we were friends, you know. Wow. I You've had got to, mate. I had to. I had to, bruv. Or, or um, you know, I, I I even from the people I know, I couldn't have got that together. <laughs> right. So I, I had to. So you in fight or flight? At this yeah, moment. totally, totally, and, and where and that's somewhere in the middle, isn't it? So you're not fighting or running. I mean, you can't run. There's nowhere yeah. to go. And so you kind of you, you kind of have to, yeah. And I'm stoned as well, oh, so it's pretty right. stressful. There was so th there was a night where well, I was thinking maybe I should once... just get in a car and drive down the mountain and try right. and leg it. Yeah, but I thought you know that's going to end up messy, isn't it? I just need to try and. Uh, try and see it out. So I managed to convince them that I was a struggling musician, that all I had was a couple of hundred quid. And they kind of, di you know, didn't like this. And then I got woken up in the morning that I was meant to be going back with a gun. And they just said, take me to the cash point. How much have you got in there? Take it out. And then they dropped me off on the bottom of the mountain. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, if you weren't high, do you think you may have panicked a little more? 
Do you think that would no, help you? Or no, did it no, hinder no, you at no, that no, moment? I, I think it definitely hindered me, Because go, I think it could go either way, can't it? You'd be like, yeah, oh, maybe. damn, something's going on here. And you kind of st- keep your shit together. Yeah. Or you just go, I can't handle this. Yeah. I, I, I mean... I, I mean, that's character building. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult one to say. Yeah. It's but a difficult here. one to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I didn't actually... I guess what I thought, I, I rationally thought to myself, I don't think these guys want to kill me. You know, I know that, I know they're well, like... You, you become an issue for them then. You do become an issue, 100%, yeah. 100%. But it's like, is it worth... And 200 is better than nothing, right? Well, Whatever you go, you've got. You know. For the effort of driving you down a mountain to a cash point, sticking yeah. a gun in your back yeah. and getting 250 or whatever you might have, it's... That is far more attractive than having to kill you yeah. and deal with. It, you what, know, it's not left. it's not a lot of money, is it? You know, really in the in the in the in the sense of, or maybe for them it is, I guess. But you know, well, they're you know they're selling, you know, huge amounts of of weed to Amsterdam. So even for them, in the sense of things, it's really not. You know, it's more of a side hustle, I think, right. for a couple of their their younger recruits to go and find it's people like myself of, yeah. and make a bit of extra cash. So and I think if anything, he was themselves. probably disappointed actually that maybe, you know, the big mafia mama wasn't going to be happy with him because he'd managed to find someone that he couldn't extort the full amount from, you know. Right. But it was weird. I saw them in Fez a few days later, which is where I met them. And they were like, ah, oh, Jake, my friend, you know, what are you saying? Come, come chill with us. And I'm there shaking like, Stay the hell away from me. <laughs> I thought you were my friends, but no. Wow. Yeah, that's was mad. That is... I, I wasn't expecting that story. I wasn't expecting to tell that story, <laughs> mate. That's Big thanks to everyone listening this week. That was Jake Hyde on the Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. Please don't forget to check out his music and the Gundy Brothers in the show note descriptions. We'll leave some links for you. Please like, review, and subscribe to the Giant Pod. You can follow my antics on Instagram at, at Andy underscore S1S. This podcast was produced by the infallible Harry Williams. See you next week. <laughs>